Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, Josephine. Hi, Miss Wendy. That was a really anticlimactic opening. Hello. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know if we had started recording. Hello, all. <laughs> Hello, like, all. Wait, are we on? Like, you didn't point. To, you didn't cue me. Like, like, I know. Mind. I was like, I, I'm. I'm just like, <laughs> we know this. We're 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 experts in this already. So oh, remote recording, the joys, y'all. The joys. Ooh, speaking of joy. We have so much to talk about this month, y'all. Welcome to our time of September 2020. Still in the year of our hellfire. It gets more and more interesting as the days go on. We just keep shoveling the shit deeper, yo. Oh my god. The world is on fire. Alas, there is still art. And mm-hmm. while, while we're kind of swimming through all of this, we know that um, a new television season is recording again. Like, they are filming for another yes. season. They, tr- they truly are. And, like, there's tons and tons of precautions and everything going. You probably know more about this than I do. Um, A little bit, yeah. There's, I mean, people are... There's tons of COVID testing. Um, we can talk about this in October when we talk, because I want to talk about the season, season premiere of SNL. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a ton and ton of COVID testing. And um, you got to hand it to, like, studios now have, like, COVID officers. So, you know, there's a, that is a someone's position to make sure that there's so much compliance. Um yeah, it's 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 been interesting um, to kind of see what shows are recording and are not. Um, I believe I think it's in I think it's in Australia where they're recording right now. But there, um, there's uh, the cast of Riverdale. Like they have to wash out with like Listerine uh, before and that. after yeah. mm-hmm. before when they're doing makeup scenes. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also know through uh, Dancing with the Stars, which we will talk about later, especially like live television shows that are meant to be filmed live before a live studio audience, especially like in such close hold with partners Mm -hmm. and things like that, like requires such a shit ton of testing and safety. But you know, these are the accommodations we're making in the year of our hellfire. Mm -hmm. And so it goes on. Um, But we have, we have a a touch to talk about this month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we have the Emmy Awards that happened. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch to talk about there because the Emmys were a, an event and we'll discuss that. Um, there's There was some real good stuff that was released on Netflix and HBO Max that we want to discuss. Uh, mm-hmm. There were some comedy specials that came out. And then there was a whole host of things that like we heard about it, but we haven't seen it yet so we'll talk a little bit about the whole like we heard about it we'll get there eventually Mm -hmm. um there are a few like little news items that happened this month in artistic news that we'll discuss like the princess bride reunion and things like that um and then of course we have to talk about glitter sports Mm -hmm. return (laughs) the glitter sports i'm so excited i'm so excited i know i can't wait okay so let's talk about the emmys all right. Um, they were hosted by J- Mr. James Kimmel. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I thought he did a good job. Like he did. Like they obviously they did the show virtually, and at first they he started his monologue with what appeared to be a really crowded live audience, and I was like, hold up, that's footage from last year. That's clearly <laughs> footage from years past. And then, of course, they cut to the empty audience and they cut to, like, the digital giant wall of televisions behind him and screens of people who were, you know, all of the nominees who were um, on location virtually and just the setup alone. Did you see his opening? Yeah, I I caught a little bit of it. I didn't watch the Emmys live, um, but because I was just like, okay, like it was also, it also happened to be, um, my anniversary of, um, it's not my official anniversary with, uh, my special man friend, but it is the one year anniversary of the night that we met. Um, oh. yeah. So we, we were, we were doing things. I mean, nothing. Little gay moments. Yeah, exactly. We were doing our little gay moments. So that's cute. That's cute. Yes. Like that for you. It's cute. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the the live opening was was pretty much Kimmel talking to emptiness, and mm-hmm. then like the wall of screens behind him. There were a few um, celebrities who were there present to uh, record or to present live. I felt like that felt kind of anticlimactic. One of the things that I loved that they did though was that they had um, service workers and essential workers present the categories. Mm. which I loved from around America. So they were like, yeah, there was one like dairy farmer who like opened the envelope from like her farm with her cow, you know, and then there were obviously hospital workers and um, teachers. There was tons of service workers represented there who were there to celebrate um, and to honor the nominees, which I thought was just a really beautiful touch. Um, I mean, the logistics of that though, of getting everyone set up mm-hmm. in their own cities and spaces. And the thing is like for, for pieces that had like large um, contingencies of nominees, like uh, the Shit's Creek nominees, the, the uh, little fires everywhere. Like there were like little pseudo Emmy parties happening Mm-hmm. like in people's backyards or whatever. Um, so those nominees were kind of clustered together in one space, but otherwise like everyone else was just separate. Mm-hmm. That's bananas. Um, what were the winners you were happy about? I mean, I, I guess like intellectually, I'm very much here for the Shit's Creek sweep. Um, I don't think we've seen a, a sweep like that in a while. Um no all four acting categories yeah and and comedy and writing and directing and like i mean it was it was everything mm-hmm. was mega that's um, been on your homework for quite some time it has been on my homework which is why i mean like i haven't um i'm like okay well now i guess i have to watch the emmy award-winning Shits creek um uh-huh. But like it was, it was such an interesting and anticlimactic um, Emmys for me because I really haven't seen much of the winners. Like I've not watched Euphoria, I have not watched Watchmen yet because I just mm-hmm. can't bring myself to to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents actually have seen more. They they watched all of Ozark, um, but no, they watched all of Ozark, which was nominated. But they also watched all of Succession. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I that they were happy. Into succession. I need to have a conversation with your parents about this because I can't tell you how many people 
I can't like, seriously, you'll be like, ma, Wendy's on the phone here. Um, I, so many people have been like, Ooh, succession's amazing. My mother also loves succession. Is it just a thing that parents love? I don't, I, I mean, that's what I, that's what I've been told. But it's like parents and then like, I mean, I don't know. I love Kieran Culkin. So I do good. enjoy the actor who plays um, Cousin Greg. Um, I just don't care. I, I have watched <laughs> now, I have watched a season and a half of this show. And as I am, I'm like, why am I watching this still? I don't care about this. And I stopped like midway through season two and it's, it's there waiting for me. I guess I'll finish it eventually, but I just can't bring myself to care. And it won something. Yeah. Didn't, um, it um, the actor who plays Kendall, uh, Roy won. Yeah. 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 And he's great. I mean, in terms of performances, mm-hmm. like the performances on that show are stellar and the nominations yeah. were so well-deserved. I just don't enjoy the show as it is. Yeah. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to just shout out like the awards that the representation that was there that night, but also like the, the platform of Regina King, Uzo Aduba, um, Zendaya, like all of the winners who were like proudly wearing Brianna Taylor's name. Um, it was just a, this nice platform for them to speak her name so, so, so publicly on this world stage and also still honor the work that they did. Um, mm-hmm. Uzo, Uzo Aduba, uh, uh, how am I messing up her name? Uzo. Aduba. Aduba. I said it right the first time. Okay. Going to Cuba with Uzo Aduba. That's how I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> that is both awesome and awful at the same time. Um, yeah. Anyway, she had this sweet little moment where she was like, oh my God. And then she was like, mom, I won. Like from the other room. She was like, no, but come in here. I won. Like, it's what? <laughs> uh, it was so funny. She won. Apparently, Mrs. that episode, yeah, that episode of I Mrs. Guess. America is and supposed I to be thought, phenomenal that entire series and again it's a little slow moving as far as content goes but like phenomenal in terms of historical accuracy the costumes the makeup the writing of that show that was really brilliant there were a lot Mm -hmm. of shows hulu's original programming this year has been like phenomenal out of this world from like rami to mrs america to little fires everywhere all of it like I, when I saw Little Fires Everywhere, I thought that was going to sweep everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was a phenomenal series. So Hulu's original programming this year has been really, really beautiful work. Um, and I feel like it might take some time, but Emmy will recognize them eventually. Oh, yeah. I don't um, feel there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Schitt's Creek, yo, like their party was so much fun. Their mm-hmm. party looked like so much fun. Like the whole Levy family, Catherine O'Hara, and then Annie winning too was a big deal because she was kind of like the the one of the quartet that kind of maybe people thought maybe she wouldn't win for performance, and then mm-hmm. she did, and it was such joy. And like the whole ensemble was there, and everyone was masked, and everyone was there to celebrate each other. It was just like, man, I want to be at that party. That looks like mm-hmm. a good time, you know? next year will be the the insecure year (laughs) i hope so and one of the things that i really loved was dan levy uh shouted out Issa ray for her writing Mm -hmm. and for her bravery in her writing um because insecure is also phenomenal and so so not 
represented mm-hmm. yet by and very personal by yeah Emmy. completely that was mm-hmm. another really fun Emmy party that like if all of the the uh, insecure Emmy nominees were at the Oakland Raiders stadium mm-hmm. yep and they were mm-hmm. like straight up like on the field <laughs> like that looked like a dope ass party to be at um so yeah Yay, Emmys. I'm glad that the Emmys still found a way to make it happen. You know? Yeah. I think we're, we're, we're definitely living in the time where it's like the, you are only hindered by your um, lack of creativity. Like yeah. there are, there's definitely ways to make things happen and, and to be more creative. I mean, I guess also, you know, financial resources, because there is a, a lot of testing is happening and that testing is not, that testing already isn't cheap. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah. yeah, so I was yeah, really glad I mean, that it was able to happen. The financial impact of this pandemic is, is severe, obviously, but the fact that like, like the Tony Awards didn't happen this year. Mm-hmm. And theater is already experiencing so much loss right now and like the complete and total loss of their industry right now for the time being in that they can't even go back to work safely in the way that television and film can, you know? Mm-hmm. So for them to not have the American theater wing honoring the work that happened pre pandemic, it's just such another blow to the mm-hmm. work, you know? So I, while I am, sad that theater missed that opportunity and they said that sometime in the fall they're going to postpone the Tonys um but I think Emmys really set the bar with how to continue with award shows mm-hmm. and so I think we're going to see that again with Oscar we're going to see that again with Golden Globes we're going to see it with SAG you know there's going to be a lot of digital setup happening all around the world mm-hmm. to honor nominees you know, and as we move into fall, that's really when we start to see the nominated work coming out. Like usually around Thanksgiving and Christmas, that's when like the Golden Globe nominees start coming out in, you know, I say with air quotes, theaters, they start coming out in theaters, Mm -hmm. but nothing's being released in theaters right now. So no, yeah, it's, it's so strange because like more and more things that are already that are finished that's the thing is that there's a lot of things that are finished but they're waiting to it's like they're you know i mean the financial impact is that like they're waiting to recoup you know because the only way that they foresee they can truly recoup or gain any get a profit is you know with um in-person movie sales mm-hmm. um i i do think that that's probably where um, but, but it's really surprising to me to see also the films that are coming out on streaming, yeah. um, that are making, you know, making, cause like the, the entire slate of like indie films that can all be direct to video, whatever. But there was, ju- it was just recently announced that the witches, the remake of the witches is coming out this, uh, in October. And it was actually scheduled to come out next year, but they're just releasing it early. Mm. And it's like, yeah, because that's a good, like, it's a family film. You're definitely going to get people who are going to watch it. You're going to recruit in some in some sort of way. And there was a lot of really scathing reviews. I'm um, not even reviews, just scathing articles about, like, Tenet and how, like, yeah, yeah Tenet coming out as, like, you know, I think it was Vulture or the AV Club that was, like, um, we are not... Uh, Tenant is coming out, but we are not reviewing it. And here's why, because you can't guarantee like they weren't even giving reviewer screeners. They were forcing them to go to theaters. And so, yeah. Yeah. These are in the upside down times, man. Mm -hmm. 
it's just literally changing everything that we know about every arts industry, really. Yeah. Everything. Everything mm-hmm. that has been standard for years has to be completely rethought and refigured. Um, and even in the way that we promote new movies, new television shows and all of that, you know, there's the junkets and what those will look like. And, you know, with all of the work that like, um, like Julie is doing with like Condé Nast and everything, like all of that has, has to be done like remotely, you know, it's such mm-hmm. a completely different setup. It's crazy. Yeah. Huh. Um, I would like to move on to the things that we did to see this month. Okay. All right. So I would like to talk first of all about a docu-series on Netflix called Challenger, The Final Flight. Now, for those of you who are infants, mm. like you, <laughs> I, I, um, I know, I mean, well, I know of it because I think my teachers, when I was, when I was growing up, like, will never yeah. forget the day. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, okay. For those of you who might be babies and not know this reference, um, but those of you who are of a certain age, you're in your 40s, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I mention the Challenger explosion. So the Challenger, here's the thing. The Challenger was 1986. It was basically when NASA blew up a teacher there. Um, they made this big deal about sending a teacher into space to promote and to gain interest in the space program. So not only did they do this like worldwide search for like the one teacher that would be on the Challenger and join the shuttle launch, um, but then she was like scheduled to teach lessons from space and they promoted it in classrooms across America to watch the launch. So not only did this teacher go up in space and die almost immediately, but children across America were traumatized by it in their classrooms watching it live. So um, I remember it like vividly. I was in first grade um, and yeah, it's 1986. So this is a four-part docu-series. And what's so beautifully done about it is that it takes you through the human stories of the seven passengers on that flight crew and how they had all been a part of NASA and how they finally were placed as a, as a member of that specific flight crew. And then that challenger was supposed to launch on a Sunday and it kept getting postponed and postponed and postponed because of weather until I think it was a Thursday morning And then it should never have flown because it was like covered in ice that morning. And this is in Florida. They were Mm -hmm, experiencing mm -hmm. like extreme cold that they had never dealt with before. And, and basically NASA had all of the information saying that some parts on the, the rocket were faulty and shouldn't be flying. And they decided to go ahead with the launch anyway. And what the series does is like it really explores kind of some of the arrogance behind NASA in that like they had won the space race, they had gotten to the moon, they successfully returned astronauts home safely from Apollo 13, you know. So they were kind of in this place where they thought they could do no wrong, you know. And um, and they name it, like they, they really 
broke that whole thing apart. So it was, I don't know, it was a four-part series, like an hour each, and I was in it. Mm -hmm. Like, re-traumatized over and over (laughs) and over again. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm like, I mean, like, not only did you watch it, but, like, you are now yourself a teacher, so. Yes, and that was very much part of it, too, was, like, you know, for a whole generations of kids, like, that was the first world event Mm -hmm. ever that we remember, you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. Like, it was the first world tragedy that we remember, you know, and then like, you know, a couple years later, like four years later, the Berlin Wall came down and things like that. But like, this was the first one that I remember feeling like, oh, this is news. You know, like I should news happen to this. And then mm-hmm. there was a Punky Brewster episode about it. I mean, like it got very relatable and real for everybody. So I mean, when Soleil Moonfry is talking about it on her little Punky Brewster episode, like, you, you pay attention when you're a little mm-hmm. kid. Shit. Anyway. Does she have, um, does she have, like, descendants? Krista McAuliffe, did she have descendants or, like, a husband? Yeah. or? Mm-hmm. Wow. She did. She had two daughters and a husband. And, um, yeah. And the series goes into, like, all of that. It, like, interviews the spouses of the passengers. Um, like, it's, it's, so it's very tragic, but it's also this very human story, too, you know? Um, I, I can't, I cannot recognize, like recommend that series enough though. You have to be prepared to get into it though, but it's like watching it. It's like, you know how it ends, but you're holding your mm-hmm. breath the whole time anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was just really beautifully done and really nuanced and lovely. And, um, whew, it was a big one. Okay. But if you're looking to dive into a good docu-series, then <laughs> If you're looking to get re-traumatized from your childhood. <laughs> you know, if you're like in your, your mid-40s and you want to like re-traumatize your, yourself and revisit childhood, go ahead and jump into that. There mm-hmm. it is. Okay. Um, you watched Hot Dog? What is that about? Well, yes. Coach? So... Dog? Uh, it's, um, so it's funny because like they... They, it is spelled H-A-U-T-E, which anyone who speaks even a modicum of French will tell you that is oat, like oat dog. Um, as in haute couture. As in haute couture, yes. But the way that they pronounce it, um, Matt Rogers, who is the host, who is from, uh, who is from Long Island, is very, <laughs> he's probably like hot dog. <laughs> We're probably related. Hey. Probably. Um yep. Uh, he so hot dog is uh, premiered on HBO Max uh, this month and it released six episodes at once and then um, before the year is out they're going to release the last six so it's a 12 12 episode season mm-hmm. and basically what it is is that um, it is a competition show for uh, dog groomers like professional oh. dog groomers <laughs> so you want to talk about this is a different type of glitter sport you okay. want to talk about shit that I do not care about because <laughs> when you put this on our list I was like what's that about oh well Joe will tell me okay and now <laughs> you're naming it I'm like oh this is why you didn't tell me about it okay you shady ass I see you good <laughs> so it is like it is so campy and fun so it's uh, hosted by Matt Rogers um um, he is a comedian. He's a gay comedian, and he is very gay and very himself <laughs> um, in this. If nothing else, just watch it for Matt Rogers. 
Um, and then the show is kind of the brainchild of um, this celebrity dog groomer. Her name is Jess Rona. And Jess Rona is also the dog groomer for Katy Perry's dog. She grooms Reese Witherspoon, Ellen Pompeo. Like she is a celebrity dog groomer to the stars. Um, so she judges. <laughs> I can't. I can't continue. Sorry. <laughs> she is, is also. Um, Go ahead. Oh, and here's the thing. I like. You know. I'm. I. Uh, my boyfriend enjoys dogs. Like he loves dogs so much. So I was like, okay. Well, I think we, we're probably going to watch. This. I'm, I'll watch this again. Um, <laughs> so she judges all of the technical aspects of the dog grooming, and apparently, and just like, like. I was I was shocked and gagged when I found out that like hair shows for like humans was a thing like where they have competitions where oh. it's like you go to the hair show. So this is um, they have dog conventions and then like there are people who are like uh, competition circuit dog groomers. So this is kind of bringing that to the forefront and that co- I know I know it's <laughs> you are you are you are like li- <laughs> fingers to your lips press. Look at my face. Ooh, um, okay, I'm I'm not so, judging. I just I am so autistic when it comes to animals. Like I have no, I have no you can't see them. for just... animals at all. Exactly. So, um, okay. and but so, I find humor in people who are so like like it, in this. So. It, you need to watch this then you need to watch this and then so that's just rona's gig is she's the simon cowell like she's the expert on dog grooming and then the expert on the like it factor the hot factor is um robin Thede of black lady sketch show oh okay so she comes in and she's just like she's the paula abdul she's the style judge she's the paula all right all right and so the way that the episodes work is that they there's a theme overall and there is a there's a theme overall, and let's say it's like old Hollywood or the Wild West, and uh, they have a dog that they bring in, um, and that dog uh, will, um, they will all get the same dog, <laughs> and then they have to style it differently based on the theme, and then the second half of the challenge is they have to get, um, they bring in their own dog, and then they have to do a bigger style. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it is it is fun and campy and delightful. There's like wood paneling. Like it's very like seventies like, glam. It sounds like a project runway for dogs. Pretty much it's a project runway for dogs. And like there's people who like you know, no shame. They're like coloring dogs. They're like, you know, dyeing the dog's ears and you know, all this stuff. I'm just going to quick shout out to one of our sevens, uh, my friend Mean Jean, who got a new dog last week. Mm. And so <laughs> she showed me her dog and I tried to explain to her how like, I, I don't hate animals. I just don't have feelings for them. I don't possess them in my body. Anyway, Mean Jean, I see you and I want you to get into this hot, hot dog bullshit and let us know how mm-hmm. it goes for you. Yeah, it's there a lot is. of fun. Shout out to Mean Jean and Ziggy. There you go. This was this was basically my comfort watching for September. Oh, was good. watching um, Hot Dog. <laughs> I mean, I really feel like you need to call it Hot Hot Dog. It's a Hot Dog. Hot Dog. If they're going to spell it any kind of pretentious way, then it must be recognized. They they do all the all the puns that you think that they do. You know, attention must be paid. To yes, the, the main event is M A N E. Like. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Lord, goodness. There's my favorite one is uh it's right before is right before they announce the winner and it's like um f- you know contestants first we must pause <laughs> and then he holds up his hands <laughs> I like I can't even look at you right now this is so painful we must pause oh my god but I can hear that in Long Island speak where he's like we yes must pause. Pause. Mm-hmm. You gotta pause. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, I can't. I'm having a very like visceral reaction to this. Okay. Yes, he is very much. Uh, he's very much a Suffolk County queen. Oh, uh, does he say that? Is he from Suffolk County? Um, he, he. I follow his podcast. That's the only reason why I know the show exists because I follow him in his podcast. The one he's thing a I County queen. Then hey sis, I see you. Yeah, he must. He must be. Uh, he must be related to you somehow. You know. Um, Probably. I don't know if he's Italian. I just know that he's from Suffolk County. So, uh, but the one thing I will say that's interesting as people watch this is that you just keep in mind that this show filmed during the quarantine, it filmed during the pandemic. So like, you know, there's a whole bunch of backstory about like the intensity with which they tested everybody, but it filmed like maybe in, um, maybe in like late July. Wow. And they filmed all the up. Ep- yeah, exactly. They filmed everything during the quarantine. And it's really um, it is- the mm-hmm. science, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, go for it. The science behind whether or not our pets can carry COVID mm-hmm. is still being researched. And there are all these studies out about like, can dogs and cats be carriers for COVID? And there are some studies that say, yes, they can. So mm-hmm. I don't know if, if hooked dog explored that or not <laughs> i don't know if i don't think they did and they definitely didn't bring up anything about it being during covid but like i know for sure that it was it was a whole thing mm. and you and the way that they have it set up like you would swear that like this is just a show that's happening any like anytime okay. like the, there's they're not six feet apart it's not like it's not like some other show we're going to talk about later where they're like like 12 feet apart <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> yes, oh i cannot wait to get into that all right we need to move forward from the hotel yes, dog. Please. all right can we talk about our girl michelle buto and welcome to butopia oh my god finally finally she gets her full like hour-long special i feel very very like concretely that we would be friends with michelle buto Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She gets us. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's our people. We get it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. I've been following Yeah. I've been following Michelle Buteau's career since two thousand five. Um, I saw her live a couple years ago and I was in the front row. And the mm-hmm. thing that I love about her, and I'm glad they captured it on in the special, was that she has really great crowd work. Uh-huh. Like she is able to just like really like, you know, she she could just you could just stand her on a stage and she would just do everything with the crowd. And yeah. and that's funny, but like her material, her actual written material is also really great. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad they capture that. But there was yeah. just oh I, I haven't had like a full belly laugh from something yeah. in a long time. And and it was just nice to see that, to, to have I it all there. I also enjoy that like she knows she's fun and she knows she's playful. So like she's not about like 
mean mugging through like the her whole set, but like she will laugh with you mm-hmm. at her own content. That is funny. And I appreciate that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, don't know, I, I just thought she was awesome. It was so fun. And she looked so fierce in her mm-hmm. gold jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. So good. Talking about everything from like her marriage to a white European dude to like her twin babies and like uh, just so good. It was a fun. And fun she's time been, show. and she's been really open and, and uh, about her struggle with not only having the kids, but also um, having her kids, but then also like going through the surrogacy process. And, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that that made it into her set because um, her, she has, she's very open and honest about that entire process on Instagram. Yeah, definitely. Um, she's awesome. And that series was dope. So if you guys mm-hmm. need a respite from this shit show of a world for a minute, go ahead and watch her because yeah. it's a field head on over to Butopia. Yeah. Go to Butopia. It's a good, good place. Be there for a while. It's better than here. <laughs> Get yourself a cheese plate and go there. It's a good time. Yeah. Um, talk to me about Mulan. I did not pay the $30 for it. <laughs> and then all of the controversy that came out after it, we need to discuss. So tell me your thoughts on the live action Mulan. So here, here it is. So like I found out the day that I had decided, okay, so like James and I, we we spent this whole um, James is my special man friend. Um, mm-hmm. We spent this whole month together um, quarantine, and like that was the first weekend was the day was the weekend that Mulan came out. So I was like, okay, we're gonna do this. We would let's go and like order some Chinese food in. We'll watch it. It'll be like we had a date night because that's probably what we would have spent <laughs> on a date night. Um, so we did that. And I, and we really enjoyed it. Like, I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. I do love a good martial arts romp. Um, I love that, like, you know, they just didn't care about, like, any having the ADR match at all with, like, Jet Li's character, who was the emperor. Like, his voice, it looks like he's dubbed, but he's not. Really? Um, and I do love, like, I loved Gong Li as the sorceress witch. I thought that it was all pretty effective. I didn't find out about any of the controversy until the day that I had decided that this is what we were doing, like on the day that Mulan happened. And I was like, okay, well now I, now I don't know what to do because I already paid for it. And (laughs) I was just like, I kind of have to see this through now. Yeah. So what I know of it is that there is no Mushu. There is no Mushu. There is no music. Um, and that Mulan, um, I read this really interesting article about how the, the one big flaw with the original Mulan is the scene where she cuts her hair. Mm-hmm. Cause that is something that would never happen with Chinese warriors back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so like, like that was the only historical imperfection in the original. Um, so, so I thought that was a really interesting piece, um, that they kept her long hair and that that was still true and that she passed as gender neutral or whatever as the warrior. Right. Um, have you heard X Tina's re-release of reflection? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Screams her face off. <laughs> yeah. It's still, yeah. I mean, I think I like this one better because it's, it, uh, yeah, because it's a more seasoned voice. Like it's a more seasoned Christina. Remember um, that the first reflection 20 years ago was literally her first single ever that was what mm-hmm. like introduced her to mm-hmm. the world yeah 
So, so they cool. had she she sang the like new song that they wrote for this Mulan. Mm-hmm. She and so the credits actually had like three songs over it. They had the 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 song that they wrote for Mulan. It had her version, her newer version of Reflection, and then it had Reflection in Mandarin. Oh, yeah, so who which is sung by the woman who plays Mulan. Oh, mm-hmm. nice, interesting. Yeah. Um, very cool. So the controversy that came out after the fact is that this film, Disney filmed this um, like very close to or near or in like concentration camps, essentially, in this remote part of China. Oh, that I didn't know. Oh, what was are, you, are you talking? Are, are you talking? Well, I I heard that it was like the star um, who plays Mulan. Um, said some problematic things about Hong Kong. No, 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 no. That's not what I heard at all. Tell me what you heard, and I'll I'll pull up an article uh, on what I heard. So I heard that like the movie itself is very much kind of like kissing China's ass. Like it's very much trying to be a. Um, uh, we've seen it in a lot of films over the last maybe um, seven to ten years uh, that, like, you know, we're we're starting to see that, like, what's we're no longer thinking about the movie market in only American terms. We're thinking about the movie market in terms of like how it's going to do in China, because if it's going to do well in China, then like that's like a billion people. That's a huge money there. So films are starting to really kind of cater to that, and so. The how it was how it was put to me from my dear friend Wendy, who um, was letting me know about this, is that like the original Mulan, like the names changed to be more Han Chinese, not Cantonese, which is like Cantonese and Canton is like what's in the Hong Kong area. So it was mm-hmm. meant to be more Mandarin, more Chinese, more kind of this like you know really being really nice to China in. Insofar as like, again, but like, you know, there are still a bunch of human rights abuses, there's the political violations, all that stuff. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating from that kind of geopolitical perspective of what's Mm -hmm. happening. Um, I did not hear anything about these concentration camps. I know about the concentration camps. I think it's the Igers or the the Agers. Internment camps, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah not concentration camps, but I mean concentration. Six of one, camps. yeah, exactly, yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so the piece that I had heard about it was that, um, and when you refer to your dear friend Wendy, you were referring to someone else, correct? Yes, um, <laughs> she's she spends she spells her name uh, very different from you. <laughs> but, oh, interesting. but yes. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, good to know. Just to clarify, I'm like because I did not know any of what you just said. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, my my dear friend Wendy is um she she is um she's my friend who like we we constantly talk about like um a lot of like Asian Pacific Islander stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and um, we've we've like tried every like Guamanian restaurant in San Diego in oh, in pre pre pandemic times and among other things too. But mm-hmm. yeah, so she had told me about this and I had such complicated complicated feelings because. Like I did not know any of that going into it because I was like avoiding all of the news behind the new Mulan. I wanted to be surprised. Sure. Yeah. 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 And so, I hate to say that I really liked it. Yeah. I've heard really great things about the movie. And then this piece had come out, I want to say like a week or two after the mm-hmm. movie came out. So here's what I read. And it was that Disney was criticized for filming Mulan in China's um, Xinjiang 
which Mm -hmm. is um, a region of China where the government has been accused of human rights abuses against the Uyghurs. Uyghurs, Uh, Uyghurs, something like that. And other predominantly Muslim minorities. So the final credits in the film were released on Disney Plus last week and... um, uh, and it's being, so I'm like reading this. So the final credits of the film thank, um, they thank propaganda departments in Xinjiang and the Public Security Bureau of Turpan, which is uh, an Uyghur majority city in the region. So then that kind of raised red flags for people. And they were like, what? That's where they filmed. And, and then again, there were like all of these um, eyebrows raised about that. So human rights activists and some China experts then immediately took to social media to condemn Disney for that choice and for turning a blind eye to all of the alleged abuses there. Um, They accused the American enterprise of kowtowing to China for access to its lucrative movie market, which is the second largest in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's what I know of that. Um, And it's still like very limited to like just a few headlines here and there. I am by no means an expert in any of this. And on the subject of hair specifically, one critique I heard of mm-hmm. of the film is the fact like she doesn't cut her hair, but like when she decides to like you know not be to to, to shed the mask, right? When she decides to expose herself as a woman, she goes into battle and like takes her bun out and like her hair is long and flowy and mm-hmm. she's like that's how she's fighting, mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's doing the her like kung fu that way and. Which what I read was like that was authentic to that dynasty and that era of warriors. So like that would have been historically accurate, but because everybody of our generation like knows like <laughs> the cartoon Mulan, where in mm-hmm. you know the boy has shorter hair, you know, blah blah blah, whatever. Um, all right, Mulan. Well, I'm glad you paid thirty dollars for it. I won't, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, everybody can wait when it's going to, it's going to be available widely on Disney plus in December. So, you know, there it is. Exactly. So maybe I'll watch it then. Maybe it'll be the equivalent of seeing it on a plane. Mm-hmm. It won't be on a plane, but I'll, you'll I'll, see I'll, it on your couch. <laughs> I will see it on my couch. I'll wait for the wide release. Definitely don't care enough right now. Um, talk to me about antebellum. Um, so Antebellum, so Antebellum, I actually watched uh, for Fright School, my horror podcast. But I wanted to bring it up here because it was it was such an interesting film, and 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 the press around it was very interesting. It was very mysterious um, in terms of like what it's actually about. Um, the premise that I'll get the you know I, I do want people to see it. I will say that like. Um, for people who are black, <laughs> it, this is going to be a very difficult watch um, because it's basically about Janelle Monet plays a woman who is um, in a um, in a uh, reprogramming, like you know, a, a refinement camp uh, in like the antebellum South. Oof. And all of that that comes with it, and the cruelty that you see, um, mm-hmm. and it's like a camp that's run by Confederate soldiers. Mm-hmm. So there's all of that, but in this is also hinted at in the this is hinted at in the trailer. So I'm not giving any spoilers away, but it also could be that like you know there's a parallel between her character also living like a life as a um, like a woman in the current time. 
and like going back and forth and talking about like cycles and what our aunt like the the kind of trauma of our ancestors and stuff like that so it's really interesting it is definitely horror it will be very triggering but it also like coincided with like it coincided with a a like the anniversary of a um of an uprising that took place and, and all of these things, like it was very intentional and they, um, it was actually shot with the lenses that were used to shoot gone with the wind. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the exact same lenses or if it's just like the same types of lenses, but they wanted exactly. It has that look and it's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like it's sweeping and vast and very beautiful. And the first like 10, 15 minutes is just one long shot through this, uh, plantation. And, and it is very, but it is very dark and it is Mm -hmm. very, so the huge content warning for anyone who wants to go into that place, but it is, um, I, I think it's really interesting and I and I'm saying this completely as someone who is I am a non-black person of color. I and I and taking it only from its like um its contributions as this horror film, I thought was really interesting, but it really does like since Get Out premiered like what, three, four years ago, we are in a time where we are now seeing like more horror that is talking about the current moment. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought that it was very interesting to still release this film because this film yeah. was supposed to come out in April. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Well, no, this film was actually also supposed to come out in September, but it was something that I thought they were going to push back and they didn't. And I'm like, Oh, it's really interesting. Um, Cause we talked about get out in our first season. Mm-hmm. You know, with um, and how we talked about Jordan Peele, like really kind of establishing a new genre of horror then, and to see kind of then the evolution of it and how it's how it has grown uh, since then. You know, in just the what three years that we've been doing this is is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a horror film on Hulu that's coming out called mm-hmm. Bad Hair yes. that I cannot wait to watch because it's Justin Simeon, who is the uh, creative genius behind uh, Dear White People. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be good. It's, it's good stuff. Good, good, good. Um, I, we didn't talk a lot about this before, but um, I'm going to poorly segue into the next item, which is that RuPaul's Drag Race now has a new country that it's invaded in Holland. Mm. Have you started watching it? No, I'm not going to watch Holland's Drag Race. They're, they're <laughs> like, I, I am watching, but I'm finding it frustrating because it's like, uh, I want to say they're like two or three episodes in, um, you know, and it's all subtitles. And also in Amsterdam, they kind of speak this like weird, like Dutch English hybrid wherein like you need subtitles, but then they sometimes cut to English. And um, so it's, it's kind of confusing to the ear to listen to them. And um, it, I don't know, it just stands to be said that they have another fucking country of drag race. And there you go. Are we getting oversaturated with drag race? Possibly. Is there too much drag race? Are we in a world where there's too much drag, Josephine? It's definitely mainstream. It's becoming mainstream for sure. For sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Mainstream or just a really now refined art form. And I'm of. Art form, but. 
I'm of the camp that it's really mainstream now. Um, it's being like the, when the demographic is not, the demographic isn't queer people. The demographic is like the people who watch it are, um, uh, white women in their twenties and their mothers. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I mean, like, you know, Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to kind of be someone who you know to be people who are the um, who appreciate and know the history of drag and what it means to the queer community, what queens mean to the queer community, and to see it um, in this way is very interesting. It's yeah. making it widely available, and again, like you know, everything has its place. This is going to inspire, you know, the, yeah. the and queen's some might argue future. Making it widely accepted and less of a shock mm-hmm. value, right? But yeah, but also real, real mainstream. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, oh, so there's there are a couple of things that happened in September that Joe and I paid no mind to, but mm. <laughs> <laughs> we have them on our list as the like we heard about it. But we haven't gone there yet. Um, and so, and actually, one of them is something that came out in August, and we said we were going to talk about it this month. Still didn't. Um, Lingua Franca came out on Netflix um, at the very end of August, and we pushed it to September, but neither of us have still seen it. Um, and that is a Filipino trans story, I believe. And then um, Ratchet came out on Netflix. Mm-hmm. which is the origin story of Nurse Ratchet, which has been getting amazing, amazing, amazing reviews, um, which I think I ultimately do want to see, even though horror is not my thing. Um, but that's supposed to be amazing. And Sarah Sarah Paulson is supposed to be incredible in it. Uh, Sarah Paulson and um, uh, Cynthia Nixon. Um, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Among many others. Uh, right among just like an amazing another that ryan murphy production right is that a ryan mm-hmm. murphy it is it, is. it yeah. is i've been told that it's very much like it's very much like a continuation of american horror story asylum um mm-hmm. i mean it, yeah. it has the look and the feel of a ryan murphy production and that it's like bright you know circusy cotton candy colors and you know it's very very stylized um but I, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I want to see it. Um, but I'm also a scaredy cat, so I don't know how I feel about seeing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Boys in the Band also came out on Netflix, which was a play and uh, then made film. And it was released on the very last day of September, which we haven't seen yet, but we will. So we'll plan on talking about that in October. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, two little news items that I wanted to discuss. Um one is a short one. The New York Times announced that Ben Brantley is retiring next month from the theater section of the paper. And Ben Brantley and Joe said earlier today, "Why do I need to care about that?" Mm-hmm. I, well, I was like, "Why do I need to care about that? Why do people hate him?" Is what I was like getting. Yeah. Is what I really was getting at. Yeah. Why do people hate him? Um, people hate him because he has the power to make or break a show, you know, and he's. Mm-hmm. Uh, He does not mince words. He is, you know, an old dude who's worked for the Times forever. And the the reviewer positions, the the critics in the Times are these, you know, grandfathered positions, right? Like people just stay in these jobs forever and ever and ever. Um, 
And Ben Brantley is one of them, right? So he has reviewed everything under the sun. And if he loves it, he will, you know, kiss you up and down. Um, And if he hates you, your show is basically destined to close in like a month or two, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so he kind of has that power, but he's held that power for a real, real long time. But New York Times theater critics are revered by the theater community also. You know, there are like Broadway theaters that are named after retired critics and all of that. So, um, so anyway, um, so he's retiring finally. And my hope is that they get critics on staff that are um, diverse mm-hmm. and voices of color and, yeah. um, you know, like, again, diversifying the sh- diversifying the content on Broadway and casting rooms on Broadway also means that we need to be diversifying the people who are viewing that work. As yeah. Well. Let's get um, a Wesley Morris. Let's get a Jenna Wortham, you know, let's. Yeah. 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 So one of the, um, one of the stories about Ben Brantley that I know of is uh, one of my friends was in um, the revival of guys and dolls that had Lauren Graham in it. And uh, Ben Brantley, like just, fucking tore it to shreds and like as so many casts do and actors do they'll like sign a wall in a dressing room or somewhere backstage and one of them they wrote fuck you ben brantley on the wall in that theater and so <laughs> um so you know he's permanently sharpied on that wall as with a big middle finger um so yeah that's that's news i guess that's coming next month so we'll see i'm sure that the times will probably do some kind of big you know whatever profile on his work and all that. The only, the only New York times critic that I pay attention to is Pete Wells. He's the restaurant critic and he's actually, he's really fun to, he's really fun to read his reviews. And, um, he's written my favorite review of a restaurant, which is, I think I've talked about this before. It's the review of, um, Guy Fieri's New York, uh, uh, times square restaurant, that's uh, like just rhetorical questions <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like a it's um it's a very scathing and uh honest review of what's happening mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i mean you know the the new york times is such an institution that oftentimes the people who work and write for the times are just as revered as like you know mm-hmm. the fine art that they're critiquing like bill cunningham was a new york icon riding around the city on his bicycle. And when he passed, like the whole city mourned, you know? So there are these moments and, and these, you know, these careers that you kind of want to honor. Um, and also like, Ooh, I bet a bunch of people are happy. Ben Brantley's leaving too. Um, so the other thing that actually, can we talk about your homework before I get into the other thing? Oh yeah. Um, so homework that you completed, tell me about it. What did you do? Sure. So, um, so my friends, I had two friends who have this very, like, they have a really lovely backyard and they have been doing, um, socially distant movie nights, um, in their backyard and they keep everything very safe. Um, it was, so it was just me and my boyfriend and the two of them was like a little double date. And, uh, we were, they were asking, okay, so what, what movie should we pick? Cause we, it's, it was going to be a gay movie night. Pick, Josephine? And so the movie that was chosen um, was Waiting to Exhale. Count on me through thick and thin. (laughs) French and then will never win. Listen, Um, Listen. I am here for that movie. 
that movie was definitely like it was gayer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it it very much was like. Like, I thought I was watching a gay movie, like a gay indie movie from the late uh, 90s, early 2000s. That's exactly what it was, too. Because it was very structured <laughs> that way. Um, yeah. I've been saying that, like, you could pair Waiting to Exhale with Steel Magnolias because you have, like, the hairdresser who happens to be a singer in real life. Yeah. <laughs> And just, like, every fine actor of the time, like, you had, like, a very... You had a still, like, distinguished Wesley Snipes and a Gregory Hines at his prime and Dennis Hasbert, yeah. a.k.a. the Allstate guy. <laughs> yes. Like, it was so... Bubba Gump in there, too. Yes, it was so good. It was so, so, so good. Loretta Divine was so good in that. Loretta Divine and Gregory Hines were, mm-hmm. like, my favorite because those close-up shots of Gregory Hines's mouth. Mm. <laughs> Listen, yeah, so here for it. And then who played her son? Oh, <laughs> Donald Faison. Donald <laughs> played her son in it. Like they're just great. Like the very, very famous scene of Angelica. Um, uh, I'm forgetting your name. Angela Bassett. Thank you. I'm like, well, Angelica, why was I thinking of Angelica Houston? Because Whitney Bassett. Houston and Angelica Bassett, Ange- it was Angelica Houston, okay. I think yes. you're going. I have no idea what my train of thought was there. But yes, Angela Bassett um, just burning her husband's car, like mm-hmm. just setting fire to it, lighting her cigarette and like saying, fuck it. Like, that's iconic. Like, I think like a lot of, there are so many mm-hmm. pop culture references made to that moment. Um Oh, when she's like monologuing as she's like taking, as she's throwing everything away. I'm like, who is she talking to? Is this for us? Is she just so hysterical that she's talking to herself? Um, yeah, it was, it was great. I had a lot of fun. It was a lot, it was a really good time. And again, it was a really nice time to be like with friends who, um, watch with your quartet of sisters too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy that you crossed that off your list. That's one less thing that we have to watch together. You and I still mm-hmm. have to watch Goonies together. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Wendy Peace Theater. We're going to make some time to do that in October. Be good. That's our next, our next challenge. <laughs> um, speaking of Wendy Peace Theater, the first one that we did was The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. That's a good segue. Um, so The Princess Bride, original cast of Princess Bride, the surviving members, reunited for um, a reading of The Princess Bride via Zoom as a fundraiser for the Wisconsin Democrats. Um, because Wisconsin is such a, a key state, is a swing state, they wanted to make sure that they could raise a lot of money for the Democrats there, whatever. I was like, sure, take my money. I want to see this reading. Okay. Um, and it definitely had its Zoom problems. Um, Josh Gad read for Andre the Giant. Um, Fred Savage was not there. And I was like, mm. Fred Savage is totally alive and should be reading this part right now. What the fuck? Where are you, Fred? Um, but instead the kid from Stranger Things did it. And I was like, not thrilled about it, but whatever. Um, Robin Wright, Carrie, you, I say Yule, that's wrong. Elwes. I say Elwes. <laughs> yeah. However he pronounces his name. Sure. Um, Billy Crystal was there. Um, Mandy Patinkin was there. It, it was so, it was such a love letter to this moment, you know? Um, and Billy Crystal, his wife had like, 
set up this little like backdrop altar for him to look like a little nod to Miracle Max's hut, which was just so lovely. So him and Carol Kane, and then they have this great like talk back afterwards about their experiences in the movie and the sword fighting and all of that. So um, it was, you know, it definitely had some zoom problems, but I asked me if I gave a fuck. I didn't care. Yeah. It was great. And a lot of people online, like it was a big Facebook event. A lot of people were like, I'm watching. Are you watching? I'm watching. Mm. You know, it was, it was cute. It was a moment. Anyway, um, take my money, Wisconsin Democrats. There you go. Yeah. And they're, and they're doing more of those too, specifically for the Wisconsin Democrats. Yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. All right. We've arrived at glitter sports. Dun, 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 <laughs> we are so gay about this. Literally, you're so gay about this. Okay, so we have to talk about so many things. The season brought changes. We no longer have Tom Bergeron and Erin. Mm-hmm. Now we have Tyra Banks. <sighs> well, you go first. You have feelings. <laughs> I have so many feelings about Tyra hosting. First of all, I fucking hated her for the first two episodes. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? She was so wrong for this show. Like, it was such a bad fit. She was trying to make it into, like, a whole America's Next Top Model thing. Nobody was here for it. I did not have it for her banter. And... She was rushing the judge's feedback in the most obnoxious way. Like Bruna was talking and she was like, quick, 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 make it quick, quick. So then she would like cut them off so that she could then have a longer conversation with the celebrity dancers. And it was like a really bad, bad riffing conversation. And I was like, they're not oh, here yeah. to talk. They're not here to hear you quote cheesy ass <laughs> song lyrics. They're here to learn how they can get better. Like, yeah. let the fucking judges talk. This show is not about the host at it all. Is like, never about the host. <laughs> so it is the worst possible place to put someone like Tyra Banks. It's um, like you, say, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but I will say that this most recent episode, mm-hmm. she notably must have gotten that note because her timing was so much better, and it felt like, oh, okay. Everybody hated you. <laughs> you are changing yeah. yourself. I'm sorry. What were your thoughts on that? No, I was exactly. That's where I was going with it. It's like this was. It was such a noticeable shift, and it's like you are only here to host the show. Like, yeah. like do a little banter, get the scores, but the judges, like, they need to say what they're going to say. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and nobody wants to hear you talk. Like, let the judges give their damn feedback. And do not rush them and say, quick, 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 quick. I was like, oh, you're so fucking annoying. And that's so disrespectful Mm -hmm. to like what they do, you know? Oh, anyway. Okay. I'm glad I was able to just voice that. I feel much lighter now. I like, uh, it's so funny that you're talking about that. Cause it's like, I was just annoyed from, I couldn't put into words why I was annoyed with her. I was just annoyed. I was just like, you know, I was like, we're rooting for you. We're all rooting for you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wanted her to be good. She also is like, you know, cause when Tom, um, when Tom was in it, Tom would stand next to the judges 
next to the judge's table, she's sitting and I'm like, okay, you're wearing heels. So yes, please sit yeah. because heels are, heels are a thing and you are a supermodel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so strange to like see her. Cause she like, she's doesn't blend into the background. There's that the way and that they also do. The audience is empty. So we're only mm-hmm. seeing her, you know what I mean? Like our eye is yeah. only going to her in the audience. So let's talk mm-hmm. about that. They're, they're dancing in a ballroom. They've completely redesigned the set and I have to give it up to the set designers because the way that they designed that set to look like it's filling the space, Mm -hmm. um, like it kind of tricks the eye into like not missing having a live audience there. Yeah, for sure. And they've played like, especially the most recent episode, which is, um, which is the Disney, Disney night, like the projections and all of that. Like I didn't, I'm not missing the audience. I, 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 and I don't mind the, like the tracks. I don't mind the booing. I don't mind that they're piping in from like previous seasons, these audience tracks, because again, it's such a show where it's like, where it's very, it's very like formulaic. Like we know what's going to get a boo. We know it's not going to get a boo, like all that stuff. But yeah, I don't miss the audience at all. Yeah. Um, I was talking to our friend Jenny about this a little bit. I was like, are these lights driving you fucking crazy right now? Because I love that. Like in the first two or three episodes, when the dancers still don't know what the fuck they're doing, like Mm -hmm. the lights are noticeably dimmed during their performances. So that you don't see that they don't know how to point their toes yet and shit. Mm-hmm. And then when it's time to talk to Tyra, then the lights come up to full, you know? And I'm like, oh, that's tricky. They're just keeping them in the dark. And Jenny was like, oh, yeah, I noticed. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then that first episode was so strange because, like, they're doing this live, like, it's live but with no audience and they and it's just so funny because like the the um personalities of our judges are just even more enhanced when there's no one around them because which is fine because like bruno can do that like bruno is half the audience already um derek huff is a golden retriever so you know he can he's he's perfect and then carrie ann is just like losing her losing her shit too i'm glad that you brought this (laughs) up we need to talk about the panel. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about Bruno Silver Fox Zaddy. What up? <laughs> Bruno stopped buying that hair and I was like, oh, hey, what? So all of a sudden he is like a white silver beacon on that table. What do you think? It was very like um, Palm Spring Gay Midlife Crisis is what I was thinking. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, goodness. I'm just, you know, beautiful. Be- I'm like, it works for him. And it's like a pretty pony. It works for him. It yeah. works for him. Um, Carrie Ann is like, you know, her wigs are on point this season. <laughs> She's had a season full of wigs already planned. And I read an article on that because apparently she had taken a medication or something that was going to like thin her hair and she knew it. So mm-hmm. they had planned a season of wigs already. And then when she was like, so I did the medication was kind of fine, but we already had all these looks planned. So I'm just going with the wigs. So now she has yeah. a different wig look every, every week. She's basically pulling a Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman like does wigs in every show in every, in every um, movie that she does. So it's fine. Sure and then enough. you have Derek Huff. <laughs> Mm-hmm. who is you know golden retriever he's he's been and that's the other thing too is he's been where they are like he's been where they are he knows what it takes to win 
Um, I've been really appreciative. I've actually been really surprised and appreciated by his comments. I was um, going to say the same thing. I feel like I'm learning a lot from him. Exactly. Like he, uh, what did he say? It was he the one who said like, um, when you're doing the jive, you have to be like, uh, it's like you're over. over. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, see, like he's he's giving me he's giving me what I crave, which is like from the per- professional's perspective, the technical end of it. Like, yeah, just in things that he was talking about in terms of like shoulder holds and things like that, and finishing your lines. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what we want to hear. Thank you, Derek Hoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also explained Len's absence, which of course, because of the pandemic, he can't fly internationally mm-hmm. back and forth, and so. Um, so we we're getting these fun little like snippets of mm-hmm. Len. He's like this like fairy godfather like, of, of the whole ballroom. Like, Let them to know about the jive. Exactly, yeah. and like it's funny because like the one thing I did find really fun that the bit was like you know Tom and uh, Tom and Len like you know calling Len yeah. old and all that stuff. So like you know it'll take a little bit to see what. Tyra's bit is going to be oh, um, I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if this was the only season that she hosted and they I bring Tom back also I also think and I feel so strongly and maybe I said this last last month when we were talking about this but like in the time when the whole world right now just really needs something comforting and reassuring and the reason that we are like comfort watching and like revisiting things that we've already seen before is because we need things that are predictable, that have like an outcome that we're familiar with. And like, we're not looking for big surprises here. Like America Mm -hmm. just needs comforting, right? So why in the hell would you take away Tom Bergeron, the most vanilla comforting presence on weekly television ever, you know, and put in time. It's just, it seemed like a really Mm -hmm ill-timed choice to try to rebrand yeah. the show. Yeah. And to d- have her do it by her, like, the thing is that if she had an audience that she could play off of, like, that's yeah. where, like, that's why her show was, like, was on yeah. for so long, her 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 talk show. But, like, the fact that, like, you still went ahead and did it with Tyra, or you didn't give her at least one person to play things off of. Yeah. She's up against a lot, you know? And, you know, I... I agree with you that I, I think this might be her only season. I would be surprised if they brought her back. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, let's talk about the dancers real quick. You know, now that we've spent so much time talking about the logistics of the show, we've had two eliminated dancers so far. Mm-hmm. If you are spoiling this for you, then that's pretty sad for you, but okay. Um, <laughs> Why are you not caught up? And I'm going to go ahead and say that, that if you care that much about a spoiler for Dancing with the Stars, then just watch the damn show. It's not that serious. But um, we had old dude basketball player eliminated first, Charles Oakley. Yes, Charles Oakley. That was like the super rushed elimination that they announced like as credits were rolling. Ugh, not that I was screaming at Tyra Banks. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, we don't care. We don't care. Yeah. I know. I will say in the second episode, Carol Baskin came back with a lovely dance in the second week. Yes. The second week. Yes. Her second week. First one was trash. Second week. Her dance was really lovely. That's yes. what she got eliminated for. And she got eliminated in that awful tiger costume. I was like, oh my God. I was like, Pasha, they're not paying you enough. They're not paying you enough, Pasha, to deal I'm with this. Like, <laughs> I, I cannot. All right. So, Highlights for you. Who are your tops? Who are you rooting for? 
I mean, what? (laughs) Well, I mean, okay. So on the line of Scooby Doo Pop Pop, I mean, we had. We did Weir. have hey. Johnny Weir as um his Mulan, right? Um, yes. But, yep. like, it was appropriate. Like, he didn't put on, like, a page boy wig and a kimono. Like, no. <laughs> no. so my tops are in no particular order, but my no. tops are Nev Shulman. Neve Shulman, I should say. Neve Shulman. Same, same, yes. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, wow, it's like, wow, this is like, you're the reason why straight men dance. Can I uh, guess Neve Shulman. Can I guess one oh, of your others? Yes, uh huh. Tina Machado. Oh, yes, of course. I am oh, here for Penelope all the way. Like, yeah, you're on that. Yes, definitely for sure. Who's your other tops? Um, Johnny Weir. Okay. And I really want her to get her shit together because I really think she could make it. Um, but Sky, who is with Alan, I just want Alan oh, to make it. I'm going to disagree with you there. Okay, so my okay. top are not Sky, but mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go for Neve. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go for Christina Machado, and I'm going to go for The Bachelorette. No, no. Listen, I don't like her personally. I don't like her. I, good dancer. She is a good dancer, but I will. I am not for her. I do not. So, like, no, like, and so I am not for her. She's on my list of people who it's like, yes, you're a good dancer, but I am not for you. Quick sevens. I just want to point out that I've never seen Joe this heated ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever pissed him off this much. Sevens of listeners. You've been with us this whole time. I Just don't care about the the Bachelorette. I'm done with them trying to use the Bachelor in. <laughs> I'm actually done with the show. I'm like, done with them cross promoting. Like, stop promoting. Yes, yes, I get that. We get it. You have ABC, like the Bachelor, and we're gonna have like a Disney star. We get it. Mm-hmm. But like, um, like I'm. I don't want her. I don't care about selling Sunset. Like, I no. don't care about the cheer coach. Um, yeah, I, kind who, of do. I think she's doing good. I mean, she'll make, it, she'll make it probably to like, I don't know, like the five or six spot. And then she'll, she'll make it to her first elimination and then she'll leave because Texas is behind her. Um, no. But like the person who like is so along those lines was so like Bachelorette I, is technically good. I don't care about her. The person no. who is technically bad, but I do care about so much is Anne Hache. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I'm so mad at you right now. Ooh, can we? You're gonna say who? Who are you gonna say? So, because we all know there's like that one person who like is technically bad, but like you gotta give it to them for their heart. Like Anne Hache is like. Remember when Maureen McCormick was on it? Like that's the same. Like Anne Hache is in the same vein as Maureen McCormick. I will agree. I'm not rooting for Anne Hache in any way, shape, or form. Like if she goes home, I'll be fine with it. The thing about Anne Heche in 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 this is like she fits that character that is uh, that stock character of people that are on Dancing with the Stars that like you can oh, tell that crazy. the yeah you can tell that the entertainment industry fucked them up so much oh, and yeah. like it's playing out in a very uncomfortable way. <laughs> yeah. I will note Bristol Palin there. Yes, yes Bristol Palin, Maureen McCormick, yes. Ryan Lochte. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Here's the thing. There's this whole category of people this year that are like going to be technically okay, and I don't care about them. Mm-hmm. So they are Chris Shell from Selling Sunset, Jeannie Mai, 
who I also kind of don't care about. Like she's technically good. I don't care about her. Mm-hmm. Um, if Jeannie Mai makes it past my top three, I will be very pissed. Okay, like I, I will like be so though. pissed. I feel like she I will be, be so pissed. pissed. Jesse Metcalf is technically okay. I don't care about him. Also, I'm expecting more from my Backstreet Boy. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, I need you to step up your glitz and glamour. Come exactly. On Please be a little gayer for us right now. What did, so you know this about me. Like I like I cringe, but simultaneously really love when like people dedicate dances to their family. Oh, and it's I like because it I'm cold and dead inside, but I hate it. It's, I, I like because it's like because when they do the most memorable year, like yeah. I, I'm just like, you know, how are you gonna convey your your father surviving cancer through like a samba? Like there's no way. Let so, me this really sexy sexual dance to my mom's cancer journey. Thanks. Exactly. Or like, you know, and then it's like, I hope you dance in the background. Like it's a foxtrot <laughs> too. I didn't, you know, I, I was in a car accident. I never thought I would walk, let alone dance again. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be dancing too. Martina yeah. McBride. Yeah. No, but so like, so like I, and already we're getting that. It's like, you know, he's like, oh, I, I danced to this song with my wife and, you know, here where I dedicate this to them. And then Johnny, like Johnny Weir was at, like, he actually had a really good, uh, in the uh-huh. Disney night, he had a really good one, but it's like, I'm doing this for my family. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't I'm stand sorry. this. It is unfair of me to make that, that association. But every time I see Johnny Weir, I'm just like, nope, Scooby-Doo, pop, pop. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like because who was Scooby Doo Pop Pop? That was Adam Rapon. Adam Rapon, and I'm sorry, but the two of them are the same person to me right now, and that's bad. Well, here's, so okay. I push back on that a little bit. They are on the same journey right now. I I'm gonna push back on that a little bit, and here's yeah. why: because Adam Rapon, Adam Rapon walks because Johnny Weir crawled. Like, if there was no Johnny Weir that, like, w- kind of opened the doors for... A, it, a Johnny Weir opened the doors for an Adam Rapon. Also, I, like, I actually prefer listening to Adam, like, Johnny Weir talk about things because you can tell that he's just so... He is so much the craftsman and the artist of, like, all of this. And you can tell, like, with his extensions and everything. And, like, I don't know. I'm I'm more here for Johnny Weir than I am for Adam Rapon. Like, I, I just hear Adam Rapon, like, uh, he did a YouTube video before he went to the Olympics where he was with Milk from Drag Race. And he was like, I'm just trash. And every time I see Adam Rapon, I just think, you're just trash. I love him. But, like, when I compare him to Johnny Weir, I'm just kidding. <laughs> This is a little I, much. Look at my face. Look at my face. <laughs> I just want to point out again, Sevens, that this walking and crawling metaphor that Josephine just shared with you is the gayest thing to ever come out of his mouth. <laughs> just so you know. The most homosexual comparison metaphor ever. But I'm here for it, and that's why I love you. That's why we do this. Um, I also just tell me your thoughts real quick on Nelly. Uh, wear the fucking shoes like <laughs> wear the shoes man wear the shoes nelly like it's is there a come. medical reason why you cannot wear the shoes because Listen. if there is a medical reason then I, I but if you're just like you know whatever masculine bullshit 
you're just trying to protect your rep, then all that shit went out the window the second you decided to be on Dancing with the Stars, okay? So like, exactly. Up to it and wear the damn shoes. Um, I just, I really want to discuss so deeply Neve Shulman's dancing. <laughs> and I feel like I am here for that hot nerd. I am rooting for him with every fiber of my being. Every time he comes on the screen, I'm real excited about him. There's also, yeah, I'm here for Neve. Uh, he's like, it's it's going to be between him and Justina for me, the two of them. N- looking at Neve Shulman is a little triggering to me because he reminds me of like every guy that I had a crush on in my early 20s because like he was definitely like the straight guy who's like sensitive and gets it and like kind of does some gay things, but like, you know, isn't gay. Um, exactly. And I'm just like, he, he's very triggering for me in that way. So I, it's hard for me to watch him. But <laughs> Then I will support I, you through that, but I just want, but he is very good. He is very, very good. He I is very good. He is better than he should be. Like, I expect more from AJ than I did from Neve. Same, 100%. Okay, so the people I think are going to be going home next in, like, the next wave of people mm-hmm. are going to be Vernon Davis. Um, is he the football player? He is. He's the last okay. sports to be there. Um, Anne Heche, I think, is going to dip. And I think either The Bachelorette or Monica from cheer or Caitlin mm-hmm. Bristow. Well, Caitlin Bristow is the bachelorette. I'm talking about Chris Shell. Yeah. I think they're one in the same to me, like yeah. the, the sunset, they the selling really sunset are. girl. And I'm like, I don't care about either bachelorette, of you. Bachelorette and selling sunset are like the same person. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's a lot. Stay tuned. I mean, cause this is going to be on, we're only two episodes in mm-hmm. for that series. And you know, we got another two months of breaking down Dancing with the Stars for you, so. <laughs> and, and like, and and here's your like obligatory like report on the pros. Um, oh yeah, your obligatory yeah. Your obligatory report on the pros is this: Carol, uh, Carol, um, Cheryl is like better is is just as good as she ever was. Yep. Um, Alan is very much like. <laughs> is serving you that like smile. Um, I very strategically gave Alan like a barely 18 year old. So that exactly. There's a big brother thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm very much like, you got to hand it to uh, Pasha for putting up with Carol Baskin. Um, Sasha. I'm so here for, cause like Sasha is going to get Justina that like far. He's, I really want him to win. Um, that's a very good such pairing. a good pairing and the new and the new pros are really cool too they are they're really good like brit is really vibing with johnny weir yeah. um I, I i mean the pros of this season are really great i i just like feel so bad for keo because like keo is with han Hache and like he also had barbara corcoran from uh shark tank and i'm like these like skinny white women <laughs> who like you know what, they make for good screen time for Keo because they they know, do 
There's and he's just kind of like there, like to pretend that they're not crazy that he's dancing with them, and yeah, it's, it makes for good good television. Yeah, she was like, "I'm learning from a master," and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Oh my god. And here's the, the funny thing about Anne Hayes is that, like, in her first episode, she was like, "You might know me for six days, seven nights," and I was like, "That is exactly where I know you from." <laughs> and I'm the like, fact that you you fucked Ellen, but like exactly. that's. The only thing I know you from. You were with Ellen forever and then magically decided you weren't gay anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Back when sexuality was still black and white, it was fun. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Ooh. Y'all, Dancing with the Stars is a conversation this year. Yes. It is a conversation. I mean, we've already had some really heated moments between us. Will our friendship survive this? <laughs> I don't know if your if your bachelorette person makes it any farther than the people that I like. We are gonna fight. All right, okay, all right. We'll scrap it out. But like, but I will tell you this: now that Carol Baskin is gone, I am like the Bobby Bones clause. Like to me, is kind of irrelevant. Like a hundred percent. I mean, the Bobby Bones clause is still in there for like a crazy like Anne Hage too, you know. It's like that is true. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's still in there. So the Bobby Bo- the Bobby Bones clause happened. That was for real, for real. And then there were two adjustments that they made. It was like the Bobby Bones clause was for the bottom two, and then the judges would pick, right? Mm-hmm. And then they made another adjustment that the audience votes only counted for a percentage and then the judges mm-hmm. score, right? Didn't they make that adjustment? Something like that, yeah. Um yeah. but like, you know, I, Sharna's back, so you know, she she very well, you know, this could very well uh she's the one who led Bobby to the <laughs> to the she front. Did. She and she was just as shocked as he was in that moment. <laughs> Good lord. Oh. I am missing Whitney. I am missing, you know, uh, some oh, other people. Making a baby, right? So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It does feel good to have that back though. It feels like a comforting thing to look forward to every week. Like Exactly. I like wait as long as possible to like <laughs> watch it just because I really want to like enjoy it and I know you do, and it drives me crazy because I watch it like the night of and I'm like, I need you to yeah. talk to me about this right now. <laughs> yeah, you're watching it live and I, and you're like texting me and then like you can tell when I watch it because I respond yes, like, Yeah, exactly. don't want this. Yeah, like four days later, I'll get a text from you about it. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Good. Okay. But, but Wendy, I, I dedicate this rumba to you. Thank you. This, like, this sexiest dance ever. You're the sexiest dance. The I'm one that I'm supposed to keep moving. <laughs> I just like the rumba of all things. You're going to dedicate, like, I, I dedicate this rumba to my children. I'm like, why? Like, Ew. Ew. Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> oh. Lord, goodness. You know, what? my dad is watching me in heaven. I dedicate this samba to him. This cha-cha goes for, <laughs> you know, the, the like, I can't, I can't. The Latin dances specifically, I cannot. Yeah. Like, if you're going to dedicate a foxtrot, you know, like, it's fine. I still say nothing was as awful as Dancing with the Stars Jr., which you never watched. I didn't. But, but like, I, first of all, the show itself was actually kind of adorable, but... After every fucking critique, these children were given the mic and they grandstanded and they talked about heart and dedication and you can put anything you put your mind to. You can <laughs> work hard and you are capable of so 
Like it, I was like, enough, take the mics away from these children. Like I can't with the shit. (laughs) And yet I still watched it every week because it was so addicting. (laughs) Well, see, I haven't watched it. So when, 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 if, and when this show is done, I will, or when the show is done, I can go back and watch and relive it. And that has Scooby-Doo pop pop. (laughs) It does. It does have Scooby-Doo pop pop. Yes. And Oh God. (laughs) <laughs> there's so much, so much if I ever meet Adam Rapon I'm just gonna be like oh, Scooby-Doo Papa <laughs> we're gonna say him we're just gonna like hold up signs and say Scooby-Doo Papa you're racist I just wanna <laughs> know whose idea it was like I just we, we can't get over it cause we watched it together like, how did you not know that was racist how did you not know <laughs> and, oh. and also what's infuriating about it is that I think we're the only ones who are talking about how racist it is it's <laughs> I think Carrie Ann knew it was racist. She was sitting there like, the fuck like, did you do? Yeah, why what? did you come out here and like, you know, because I want a wig too. I'm like, bitch, Scooby-Doo, pop, pop. <laughs> it's also, a, it's like a reggaeton song too. Like, I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. Oh my God. Yes, it could have been so bad. Oh my goodness. We need to wrap this up. <laughs> but oh next week or next week next month we have a lot to talk about because uh, there's a lot of content coming out in october so we have the return of saturday night live um rihanna dropped her savage fenty show mm-hmm. on uh amazon prime which was this like surprise release which is amazing the great british baking show has returned there's a lot of stuff going on and of course we'll talk about all of the shit that we just didn't pay attention to this this month Yes, we will pay attention to that in uh, October. Yeah, and I'm going to get Joe to watch The Goonies on Wendy Peace Theater. So stay tuned and join us for more artistic bullshit that we talk about a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's our theme song, right? (laughs) Yes. Well, thanks for listening to our babble. Um, we thanks, love everyone. Subscribe. Check us out on Instagram and all of that stuff. And enjoy your time of the month. Wear a mask, register to vote. Yes. Bye.